Welcome to the One Rental at a Time podcast. If this is your first time, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. On this channel, we have simple goals. We want to inspire investors to move forward. We want to create belief that one rental at a time is possible. And we want to help you take positive steps forward. If you want to learn more about your host, Michael Zuber, please go to Amazon and buy his book, self-titled or self-published, One Rental at a Time. I believe there's a link in the description. If you're ready to get started with buy and hold rentals, but unsure what to do, I strongly encourage you to consider buying our online course. It gives you the tools to get started, help you learn your market, allows you to compare deals, and so much more. Lastly, by buying the course, you are granted access to a private Facebook group where I and my students interact daily. Everyone is equal, and we just keep helping everyone move forward. It is so much fun to watch, and again, I believe a link is in the description. With that, on with the show. Hey everyone, I have an exciting show for you today. Actually one that we promised 10 days ago or so. So we're bringing back David Dodge uh, for the three-time guest inside of 45 days, which means he's bringing huge value. And today is all about Burr. Uh, how you doing today, David? <laughs> I'm well, guys. I'm doing very, very well. Yeah, so David, uh, your first couple of shows have rocketed right to the top. Uh, I don't know if you've checked it out, but your first, first um, episode with me has already had 8,000 minutes listened, which is crazy. Oh, that's, wow. like, that's like a lot, um, at least a lot for me. Uh, so, um, sure. you know, we talked about doing Burr and we were having its own show. So uh, why don't you give a quick introduction to what it is, why it's important uh, and all of that. Yeah, no problem. Well, hey, um, thank you, Michael, for keeping or for having me back again. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Um, always love coming on the show and uh, teaching people what I know. So today we're going to talk about Burr. Can you hear me okay? Yep. Awesome. Perfect. Okay. So today we're going to talk about Burr. So the Burr strategy is a strategy that I use personally to acquire a lot of assets very rapidly. Now, I want to start by using, I wanna start by saying you need to use caution when you're using this strategy. This strategy isn't for everybody. Um, this strategy has pros and cons, just like most things in life. So I am gonna do my best to explain to you what the birth strategy is how and why I use it, but I'm not going to leave out some of the cons as well. I'm going to tell you all about the pros, but I'm going to tell you about the cons too, because again, this strategy is an advanced strategy. This is a strategy that I wouldn't recommend somebody that's like brand new to real estate investing go try. Um, because again, there, there is a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of risk um, whenever you were leveraging, you know, a property to its max. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what we do with the Burr strategy. Now, there's lots of ways to reduce your risk, which we're going to talk about as well. But I just want to, you know, start by saying this is an advanced strategy. 
and it's not necessarily for everybody and that's yeah. okay okay yeah, so i, I just want to throw that out there because the last thing i want is somebody to watch this <laughs> go out and do this and then you know something doesn't happen that that should happen mm -hmm. and then they get upset with you michael or they <laughs> you know they get upset with me and i want to prevent that i'm here to help i'm here to provide value i'm here to teach yeah and i'm grateful for this opportunity to be here to do all those things yeah. but i just want to preference it that you know this may not be for you mm -hmm. but either way you knowing about it and learning about it on today's video i think will be very, very valuable. So yeah. what is the Burr strategy, guys? It's B with four R's. Sometimes I see it with three R's. Sometimes I see it with five R's. I like it with four R's. What is Burr? Okay, again, Burr, all it is, is a strategy that we use as real estate investors to acquire a lot of properties rapidly with little to no money out of our pocket in the end, okay? So all it is is a strategy, all right? So what BRRRR is actually as well is an acronym, okay? So the BRRRR strategy is the strategy, B-R-R-R-R, -R -R -R, that itself, that word is actually an acronym. So I'm gonna come turn over here and I'm going to write down what this acronym is. So we're gonna write it this way. Yeah, as David writes that, this I want to echo how he opened this this show. Go ahead and write that out. Um, yep. Burr, Burr is a strategy like David I have used and used extremely well uh, the last five years. I think it is absolutely a strategy that all investors investors should learn, appreciate. It is a way to grow quickly. It is a way to use leverage, uh, high leverage successfully. But, but. But with real estate investing, timing is also important. If you were doing Burr five years ago, you look like a genius. It was very easy. It was an appreciating market, all good stuff. Uh, today is not the same market. Uh, and, and be clear, I'm not saying Burr doesn't work today. I'm saying Burr, you have to be more careful today. You'll have multiple points of maximum leverage. You'll have some risk on the refi. Lending can change during the process. So again, Burr is an awesome strategy we should all learn. I do not want you to take this episode and think that just anybody could do it today because it is far more risky today than it was five years ago. So with that, I'll let uh, David uh, get back to the whiteboard. No, that's a great point. I'm glad you emphasized that. I, I wanted to emphasize that as well. So I think we've, we've kind of covered that, yep. which is awesome. So again, guys, I'm going to turn this mic because I was listening to the last one and I was kind of cutting in and out and I apologize. I think it's just because this is a very directional mic. If I turn my head and I'm not looking at it, it doesn't pick up the sound. So we're going to move this. We're going to move this over here like this. And hopefully crazy. that'll be a little better for everybody. Yeah, you like that? It's on a little <laughs> arm. Okay, so we have Burr. This is a strategy. It's also an acronym. It's the same thing, right? So what does it stand for? B with four R's. So your first one is that you're going to buy the property, okay? The next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna renovate, and I'm not very good at spelling, so I probably didn't spell any of this right, but that's okay. <laughs> We're gonna renovate and or rehab, okay? So that's the next R in this strategy. Buy, renovate, rehab, it's kind of the same thing. Next, what we're gonna do after we renovate that property is we're gonna rent that property out. Okay, we are going to either contact our property management company or we are going to do it ourselves and we're going to market this property for rent 
and we are going to get a tenant in place and we're gonna get a lease signed just like you would with any of these properties that you're renting. Next, what we're gonna do is we're gonna go talk to our bankers and we're gonna refinance this property um, with our bankers, okay? So we're gonna basically try to get a loan, a cash out refi or just a refi, doesn't have to be cash out necessarily, to pay back the cost to purchase and the cost to renovate, okay? So we're gonna rent it out, we're gonna then take it to a bank and we're gonna refinance. And then the last R is my favorite of the R and that's just to repeat, okay? So there's a couple things that I wanna mention that are kind of a requirement in order for the Burr strategy to, to really work and be beneficial. Okay, so number one, you have to buy your properties at a discount, okay? If you are buying a property um, at retail, I'm not saying that it is impossible to use this strategy. However, to, to utilize this strategy to its fullest, if you don't buy at a discount, you are going to have to renovate rehab so much so that you are going to be increasing the value of this property from the time that you bought it to the time that you go rent it out by at least 15 or 20% for the strategy to really make the most sense. So I'm not saying that it's impossible to do so without buying it at a discount, but it makes it extremely harder, much, much, much more difficult. So I'm actually going to add right here, buy at a discount, okay? Because that is very, very, very important. So you're gonna buy at a discount. Now, when you buy at a discount, and then you go and you renovate or you rehab this property, you're gonna be able to add value without breaking the bank. You're not gonna have to spend 50, 60, 70 grand on your renovation rehab, which again, you don't typically wanna do with your rental properties anyway, right? Now again, there's a time and a place for spending 50, 60 grand on a rental rehab, but typically I don't like to do that because it isn't necessary. There's really no reason to come in and to spend a lot of money that's not necessarily needed to do so. So now when we do our renovate rehab, again, everyone's gonna be a little different, every market's gonna be a little different, every property is gonna be a little different, but when I do it, our renovate rehab budget is typically gonna be between 15 and 25K, that's just for me, okay? You guys may be a little different, but again, I'm not typically spending 60 grand over here. I'm also not typically spending five to eight. And the reason is, is because when I get back down here to my refinance, the cool thing about the birth strategy is if you do it properly, you are gonna be getting loans based upon the appraisal of the property you are no longer gonna be getting your loans based upon the a percentage of the purchase plus the repairs. So the best place to start in this strategy, in my opinion, would be with the refinance. Meaning you wanna go talk to your local bankers, and I highly emphasize local, because you are going to want a loan that does not balloon you want your loans to renew. 
And the difference there, alone that I think we maybe mentioned this in previous episodes, I'm not sure or not, but if not, whenever you have a loan that balloons, no matter what, every time that you go to get another loan, you're starting over on your amortization tables. So whenever you get a loan with a local bank that we like to call portfolio loans, which really just essentially means they're loans that they hold in-house, they have no intention of taking to the secondary market and selling off, okay? These loans, they're still going to have a term of, let's say, three years or maybe five years. However, at the end of that term, the loan doesn't come due. Instead, what happens is the bank just reevaluates it. Um, they may or may not have it reappraised. Our banks typically don't. They just look at the current interest rate. They want to look at our financials again. The process of renewing is usually, don't quote me because it's very different in every market, in every area. But for me, it's usually less than $200 to renew. Now, the cool thing about the loans that renew is you you're, you have moved through your amortization table. So on ours, we have a 20-year amortization table. We have either a three or a five-year term with, um, with our interest rate. Um, so what happens at the end of that three years, at the end of that five years, is just the bank reevaluates us. They look at the current economy and what the current interest rates are doing. They may adjust our rate up. They may adjust our rate down, which is very possible. Um, but essentially what they're going to do is they're just going to lock us in again for another three to five years at a fixed term. But the beautiful thing here is that they are not making us start over in our amortization table. And if you don't know what an amortization table is, all that that means is how much money per payment is going to interest and how much money per payment is going to principal. If you don't know, I'm going to educate you really, really quickly over the next 30 seconds on how this works. If you have a 20 year loan, all right, you are going to break your payments up on a monthly basis over 20 years. All of the interest on loans is front loaded. So essentially day one of your loan, you're gonna be paying like 97 to 98%, somewhere in that range, interest of each payment. Whenever you get to about the halfway mark, in theory, not exactly, but in theory, 50% of your payment's gonna go to interest, 50% of your payment's gonna go to principal. And then towards the end, let's say you're 18, you're 19, or especially the end, you're 20, right? Those payments that you're making, the majority of that payment's going to principal now versus interest. So the, the farther you can get through your amortization table, the better, because that means you're paying down the, the loan more and more. In the beginning, you're, you're barely paying down your loans at all, because um, most of that goes to interest. So to make this strategy really work, you want to start by going and talking to your bankers, seeing if they're gonna let you do a refinance, and then you also wanna ask them what is the requirements that will allow them to work with you and look at the appraised amounts versus the a percentage of the principal plus rehab, like the, like the purchase price and rehab. So to me, in my market, the bankers, they wanted to see two things in order to go from purchase plus rehab, a percentage of, to just a percentage of appraisal. And those two things were one, experience, okay? They didn't let me do this when I only had one or two rentals. Maybe your banker will, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but typically, 
they want to see that you have experience because it's more risky for them to lend on a percentage of appraisal than it is on a percentage of what you're all in for because at that rate you have skin in the game. Whereas if you are getting a loan based on the percentage of appraisal and you're all in is less than that amount, then they're taking on a little bit more risk. So number one, they want to see you have some experience and that can look very differently depending on who you're working with. Okay. Yeah. Quick number, question, quick question, David, on this, sure. on the refinance, you know, guys like you and I, we have to go get portfolio loans. We have to work with local banks, all of that, because we have a fair amount of real estate. But if you were someone coming- We don't coming, have to necessarily, but we choose to. Choose to. Correct. Fair. If, if somebody was coming in and they didn't have their first four loans, do you think they could do a, a Burr refi and get a 30-year fixed mortgage and, and have it go to the secondary? Or because of maybe length of time or some of the other lending conditions, that's really a non-starter? No, I think it's de definitely very possible. And I think the, the, the great thing about banking relationships is it's that it is, it is exactly that a relationship. relationship. Yeah. So I have a student right now that's wanting to use the birth strategy on his very first rental. Yeah. And he's not going to have a 20 year amortization loan. He's going to have a 30 year amortization yep. loan. It's going to be a secondary loan. It's not going to be a commercial loan. So it's going to be a private, you know, yep. a normal conventional loan. Yep. So yes, that is absolutely possible. Um, however, it's all about the relationship that you have with your banker. If you want to use a portfolio loan, that's not going to be sold and you want a 20 year amortization, you're typically going to have to go commercial, yeah. but that doesn't mean yeah. that's impossible to do it other ways. Great question. Yeah. I just want to make so sure. This, the number of, one thing. Yeah. A lot of people watching this will be doing their first or second, at least based on the questions that, that I've received. So realize that when we're talking 20 year amortization, all that, some of your minds might've popped because you're like, Oh, what happened to 30? 30 is absolutely possible for you. David and I choose. Yeah, 30 is great. Yeah, there you go. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I like to, I don't, I don't want to wait 30 years to pay my properties off. But I have a couple 30-year loans because the, in the beginning, yeah. you know, the banks weren't wanting to lend me on, on these other loans. So I, you got to do what you got to do to get in the game. Perfect. But the cool thing is, is that the harder you work, the luckier you're going to get and the more opportunity is going to come your way. Awesome. So in time, these, it will get easier and it will get better. But in the beginning, if that's the route you have to take, then take that route. Who cares? It doesn't really matter. You can always mm -hmm. refi later elsewhere too. But that's a really, really good question. So I, I say in this strategy, I mean, obviously there's a sequence here, right? But start by going and building a relationship with your bankers. That would be number one in my book, okay? You want to see what they need in terms of experience. If any, maybe they say, we don't need your experience. Just, you know, do, do this, this, and this, and we'll work with you, right? So I had two things. One was experience. The second thing is that in order for them to go from lending on your purchase plus the sum of all your repairs, the spreadsheet of all your stuff, they typically want to see a minimum, at least in my market, every market might be a little different, guys, but at least in my market, they want to see a minimum of $15,000 in repairs. Mm -hmm. And the reason is, is that they will give you what they like to call an entrepreneurial credit, okay, which allows them, I mean, so these, you got to understand, a lot of these banks are regulated by the Fed. Mm -hmm. So they aren't really even allowed to do certain types of lending without doing other types of underwriting. It kind of goes hand in hand. Mm -hmm. So basically what they've told me is that if you spend at least 15,000 on the rehab, they can give you that entrepreneurial credit. 
And therefore, the underwriting process looks very different. Now they want to appraise the home and they don't really care what you paid for it. They don't really care what you spent to fix it, assuming it's above the 15. And then now they're going to lend based upon an appraisal. Okay. So those are the two main things. One is the relationship with the banker. Okay. And two is a minimum rehab of $15,000. And again, these two things are going to allow you to get loans based on appraised amounts versus 20% down on what you spent. Yeah. Meaning they're going to give you an 80% or a 75% loan on your all in. Mm -hmm. So the cool thing about the burst strategy is that my all in, I shoot to be at 75% of the appraisal. So if you do some simple math here, guys, if, if I'm shooting to be 75% in to an appraisal and a bank's going to give me a 75% loan based on that appraisal, when I go to close on this loan or refinance out the private lenders that I borrowed the money to purchase as well as renovate, I'm going to be able to go to the bank and I'm going to be able to get that loan and pay these guys back and essentially be into this deal for no money out of my pocket. Now, I will be out money in the beginning because I'm going to have to buy it and I'm going to have to renovate it and I'm going to have to borrow money to do that and pay mm -hmm. interest on it. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you can work out a deal with your lender to pay all the interest in the rears, then you won't really necessarily be out any money. If you are out, it's most likely because you went over on these costs mm -hmm. or you had to make some interest payments along the way. No big deal. But in the end, the goal here is to get your refinance to be 70, 75, 80%. It's going to vary, of course, depending on your lender, their risk tolerance, your area, so on and so forth but to get a loan for that amount. And then you need to be into that property for that amount or hopefully a little less. Yeah. So that's how this strategy works. Yeah. I'm really glad we started here because this is one of the danger points, right? Because a lot of people hear the birth strategy, they read the books, they think it's about buying at a discount, 70% of ARV, whatever it is, renovate, blah, blah, blah. Not realizing that that private money they likely borrowed, they can't get it all out at the refi. That's where people fall down today. So I'm really happy, David, that you're starting there and you have to go have those conversations, build those relationships. Uh, so thank you for that. Justin. I would highly recommend, no, absolutely. I, and that's the thing, even though this is the strategy and this is the sequence that we go, okay? Once you understand this, okay? And you have your, your banking relationships in order, meaning that you've spoke to several bankers and they've agreed to work with you. They've told you, hey, we will lend on an appraisal. However, you need to have five rentals already. Mm -hmm. Well, in this scenario, you can't do this because you need to go get five rentals first. Go get 30-year loans on them. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Or they may say you only need one or two or zero. I don't know. It's all going to vary depending on their appetite mm -hmm. to lend to you. But, but also, you need to figure out what the minimum rehab is. Because again, they, there's two things. One, for them to present to their board, they need to know that you're experienced. And two, they, in order for them to, to basically overlook the purchase price and the, the rehab costs, they want to see a minimum. Mm -hmm. So as long as you can provide the minimums, then the strategy works. So number yeah. one isn't buy, it's actually refinance, even though that's number four in the process here. 
because you can't refinance a property before you bought it. You got to go through the, through the sequence. But Michael, great point. And I'm just going to reiterate it though. Do not try to use this strategy without having the back end lender lined up. Okay. That's like me trying to go run a marathon without drinking any water for two <laughs> weeks before I run. Exactly. I mean, it's the exact same thing, right? You need to prepare. Okay. You have to prepare. So by having your lender on the back end lined up and have something in agreement, it doesn't have to be necessarily pre-approval, but it, it kind of does. It needs to be a verbal that, Hey, no problem. We love to do business with you. We can't wait to send you a loan, but in order for us to do it this way, and that's based on the appraisal, not the purchase plus rehab, you have to do some things first. And to me, it was have some experience and it was have a 15K minimum rehab budget, which I did. So it started working. But in the beginning, it didn't. So I just, again, I want to caution that, you know, very, very highly. So once you get your, re, your refinance in order or your private, I'm sorry, your, your local banker in order to where you can do a refinance and everything looks good and feels good, then you can start at the beginning and you can work your way through this process. So how does it work? Okay, again, all this is is an acronym for buy, renovate, or rehab, same thing, rent, refinance, repeat. Again, what is the birth strategy, guys? I'm going to say this a couple times because I really want to emphasize this. This strategy is nothing more than a strategy to buy and acquire a lot of assets very quickly with little to no money. That's it. That's all this is. So if you're using this strategy for a different reason, that could be okay, maybe, right? However, most of the investors out there know that this is a strategy to acquire these assets rapidly. It's not so much a get rich quick plan, right? Because whenever we do this, most cases, we are borrowing out as much money as we spent. And even though there may be equity on paper, if I go to sell these properties, I'm essentially going to basically get back what I'm, what I'm owed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Not all the time. But there's not a whole lot of equity left because we've sucked a lot of it out to pay ourselves back for the rehab. Now, the rehab, in theory, should add value to the property. But the goal is to add more value than what you spent. If you spent 10 grand or 15 in this case, and you only added 15 grand worth of value, well, then you didn't really do much. Mm -hmm. But if you spend 15 grand and you add 30 grand worth of value, then you've just created $15,000 in equity off of that spread out of thin air. And that's mm -hmm. really where this strategy has the most value. So let's run through it. So I'm going to buy a property at a discount and I'm going to use a real world scenario. Yeah, guys. exactly. Let's, let's do that. Let's, yeah, let's, let's talk hold about a, a property, closer, street name, something. Yes. Let's do it. Yep. Okay. So we have one right now that we are working the birth strategy on. We have about seven actually at the moment that we're doing this with. Um, but I'm going to just kind of come up with one that I'm thinking about. Okay, got it. So the property that we are going to buy, we're going to, we bought it at a discount. Okay. So we bought a property just recently and I believe we paid around 60 K for the property. Okay. That was what we bought it at. Now we bought it at a discount. The property has an ARV of around 120. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we got the property at roughly 50 cents on the dollar because it needed quite a lot of work. Mm -hmm. The property needed in this scenario, 
it needed about 25k worth of work okay okay so the all-in amount is 85,000. I'm writing a little crooked here, guys. Sorry about that. So our purchase at a discount was 60K. Mm -hmm. Our after repair value was 120. The cost to renovate it or rehab it, again, it needs to be between 15 and 25 typically. Mm -hmm. Ours in this scenario was 25. And 60 plus 25 is 85. So what we did is we borrowed from our private lender $85,000 day one. We took 60 of it and used to purchase the property. We then had 25, really it's probably more like 23 and a half, 24, because we had some costs associated with the closing and whatnot. But we're gonna use simple math here. Mm-hmm. And we had $25,000 left. Let's just say that that, that, that 25,000 was really renovation, rehab, and holding. All right, make it even simpler. So then we had 25,000 left to cover the closing costs, the holding costs, as well as the paint, the flooring, the countertops, maybe a bathroom vanity, whatever it is that we did. We do a lot of windows and roofs because they're just easy for us to do. It's one or two phone calls. Mm-hmm. We don't have to necessarily be there to check up on it. It's very standard things that we do. Mm-hmm. So anyway, at this point, we are into this property at 85 grand. We own it, we've rehabbed it, but it's sitting vacant now. Okay. So now what we do is we hire, we have a property manager. So we just send it to him. We say, Hey, property manager, we are done with this property now. And it is in great condition. Um, 1% of 120,000 is our minimum. So we are hoping to rent this property for 1200 plus. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. 1%. That's the minimum here. Now, again, we're in the Midwest. We're in St. Louis. I totally get it, guys. If you're watching this from San Francisco or New York or New Jersey or, you know, parts of Florida or Texas, 1% may not work for you. And that's okay. But for me, it does. All right. I will not buy a property in St. Louis that does not rent for 1% of the total month or the total value. Okay. So in this case, our ARV is 120. Our rent is going to be 1200 plus. Now I really average more like 1.2 to 1.3, but 1% is the minimum. Okay. So in theory, this property, you know, it should rent for 1200 at a minimum. But I'm pretty confident that I'm going to be able to get, instead of 1200 I'm going to be able to get 1350 for it, okay? Okay. Which will be great because, again, the property is worth $120. i am only into it for 85 but it'll rent for 1350 So then once it's completely rented, meaning that a lease has been signed, and now it doesn't have to be a property manager. You can do this yourself. But again, I'm using this strategy to acquire a lot of assets very rapidly. So in return, I don't do my own rehabs anymore, okay? Because I want to buy a ton of these. I don't want to spend all my day working on one. So I'm going to hire someone else to do my renovation, my rehab. I'm going to even hire someone else to do my property management or go rent it at 1350 So now I'm working my way through the strategy here. I bought it. I fixed it. I've sent to my property manager. He has it for a few days. Boom, it's rented. Mm-hmm. Now I have a lease, okay? I then take the lease from my property manager to my bank. 
And my bank in this scenario says, hey, Dave, great. You, you did at least 15 grand worth of repairs. That was number two of what they wanted. Number one was experience. You already have a bunch of these, a bunch of rentals. So you now apply for the entrepreneurial credit. Boom. So go talk to your bankers, guys. See what you need to do to get approved for the entrepreneurial credit. It may be a lot of experience. It may be little to none, okay? This 15K number that we have a minimum in our local market might be 7K in your market, or it might be 70K. It, it's going to vary, but go talk to your banker and find out before you do anything what they require in order to give you the entrepreneurial credit, or another way to word it is, how do I get a loan based on an appraisal and not what I'm into it for. Because most investors, right, they are working with leverage. It's just a way to help you um, build more assets quickly, right? So anyway, we've got it rented. The next step would be refi. So I'm gonna take it to my bank and they are going to lend between 70 and 80% of the appraisal. Okay, because I have experience and because I did my 15K minimum, and sometimes they may ask to see the um, repair sheet, but again, as you get more and more experience, they don't care. Our bankers no longer care. They can look up online and see sometimes, depends how quickly we do this, but they can look up sometimes and see what we paid for it. Sometimes they'll ask us what we've spent, but it's to the point now where they don't even need a spreadsheet. They just want us to send them a number. Like literally when we send a, a, a property for appraisal, uh, because we've got it bought, renovated and rented at this point, they typically say, hey, what's the rent? Um, what do you think the ARV is, right? And what kind of loan are you trying to get? They may also say, how much repair did you do? Mm -hmm. And in this case, I'll just say, hey, there's the address. It's, we think it's worth 120. We're renting it for 1350 and we spent 25,000 fixing it up. I mean, we're talking one paragraph, guys, yeah. four sentences. It's so simple. So then though, what they do is they then underwrite this deal. They give us the entrepreneurial credit because we've got both of those two things that they require checked off our list, okay? And then they're gonna say, okay, depending on the area, the schools, the crime, this is also another word for a bank's appetite to lend, okay, another way to, to kind of describe it, depending on their appetite to lend, they may lend 70% of appraisal, they may lend 75% of appraisal, they will go as high as 80. I've, I've seen a couple people out there that will do 85%. Mm. I personally don't want to, to leverage that high mm -hmm. because the cost to sell a home, I think we talked about this in recent episodes, is you know anywhere between six and ten percent. So if I have a twenty percent equity in my home, it's a pretty safe bet that I'm going to be able to sell it at a break even and not lose. I may make money, but I don't care if I make money necessarily. I just don't want to be over leveraged because that's where you get in trouble. And that's why Michael and myself at the very beginning of this video highlighted that this is not for everybody because you a need to build up those two things: experience. Um, as well as, you know, figure out what that minimum is. Yep. Um, but B, you know, you, you don't want to be over leveraged in these properties. Yeah. So in this scenario, I believe my banker, uh, well, we, we only asked for 85 K back. So let's grab a calculator. Yeah. Here. At 75%, you would have gotten 90 K back. 
Perfect. So this is a great example. So 120 times 0.75 is 90K. Yeah. So in this scenario, I'm not even asking for a 75% yep. loan. What I'm doing is I'm asking for a fixed number that's going to come in between my scale. And when you're on the lower side of the scale or even below 70%, it's a home run because yep. they have less risk to lend to you. And in some scenarios, guys, I don't want to make this episode about cash out refis that you make money, right? Because that's not the point here. The point is to acquire a lot of assets very rapidly. However, there is scenarios where the bank will pay me back more than 85 grand. Mm -hmm. So let's run through those two scenarios at the same time here, okay? Scoot this over a little bit. I'm trying to make it fit. I think I need to go this way. Nope, we need to go this way. <laughs> Playing in the mirror here. Here we go. There Playing go. in the mirror here. All right, cool. So scenario one would be a 75% loan. And scenario two would only be a 70. You're just off the screen. Am I just, just off the screen here? Yeah. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to just start over at the top. There you go. Actually, let's go to the right. I can just slide this a little bit. Okay, cool. So scenario one and scenario two. Scenario one will be a 70% loan. Scenario two will be a 75% loan. Okay, again, they, they no longer really care what I bought it for and what I rehabbed it for. Mm -hmm. But I care, okay, what my all-in is. Yep. So we just determined that at 75% of 120, I'm off the screen here a little bit, but I'm going to yep. go up here. That would be 90K. Yep. This one here 84K. At, is 84K. Okay. So to me, what I could do is instead of asking for a 70% loan or a 75% loan, I am literally just going to ask for an 85K loan. So that's going to probably average out to like 71, 72%. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. As long as you are less than 80 and or you are less than the bank's appetite to lend in that area. So I know this particular deal really well, and the bank would probably lend me up to 80% in this neighborhood with this school based upon the rehab I did in the ARV. But I'm not asking for that. If I did, I could essentially walk with money, but I don't want a higher debt service than necessary. And again, my goal here wasn't to make money on this deal, it was to acquire an asset with none of my own money. That mm -hmm. was the goal. Yep. So you don't want to pivot, guys. You want to figure out your end game, just like we did the MAO formula last time. You start with the after in mind, and then you work your way backwards. My main goal here was to be in this deal for zero, not to be in this deal for negative or a positive three grand that I walk with. Right. If that's the case, the whole thing would be different. Mm -hmm. So in this case, I'm just going to ask for 85. So it's going to end up being, I don't know, we're going to just say it's 72%. It's probably a little less than that. But that's the loan that I'm going to get. I'm going to get a 72% loan. The bank is going to, at the time of refi, they are going to ask for payoffs. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to contact my lender, which could be a hard money lender, could be a private money lender, it could be your grandma, it could be your buddy. doesn't matter. Whoever lent you the money to buy it in rehab, I'm going to contact them and I'm going to say, hey, can you send me a payoff? We're going to close next Tuesday. 
know, what is the total amount of interest that will be owed all the way up until that point? And if it's in the rears, then it's going to be a little bit higher than 85, assuming we didn't budget that in. And if it's in, if it's monthly, then you're only going to have, you know, one month or less worth of interest owed because you've paid the previous months. Yep. Okay. So in this scenario, they're going to submit to the bank. And just for simple math, we're not going to get into the weeds with all the little knickknacks. Let's just say I've paid all my interest up front or I've been paying monthly and I'm basically square and I owe 85 grand to my lender. The lender sends that to the title company as a payoff. The bank does the refi and they pay back the cost to renovate. They pay back the cost to buy. And now my lender is paid in full and the deed is in my name like it was originally, but now I have an added note in a deed of trust saying that the bank has interest in that property. I now have an asset that has a loan of 85. It's worth 120. The rehab was done. That's included in my 85. I'm bringing in 1350 a month in rent. I've refinanced that property to pay everybody back. And then the last step is my ultimate favorite is repeat. Okay. So we've run through this scenario in, I don't know, 35, 40 minutes or so. It, in theory, this is going to take anywhere from two to six months. Yep. Okay. Now, why would I say two to six months? Here's why. Whenever you don't have a lot of experience, the bank is going to want seasoning. Yep. What is seasoning? Seasoning means they want to see the house rented at whatever your number is for three, four, five, maybe as many as six months before they will give you that entrepreneurial credit, which by now you should hopefully know that the entrepreneurial credit is very important because they lend on appraisals, a percentage of appraisals, not on a percentage of what you spent. Now, do you guys understand the difference here? Michael, I know you do, but check this out. 80 per, we're going to just use 80% for simple math. 80% of 120, what it appraises for, right, is a lot higher than 80% of what I spent. That's where this strategy is golden. This is, this is the whole reason we do this is because we get loans based on that number not that number. So again, the first thing you do is you want to go talk to your banker and you want to get the refinance ducks in a row. So that way, when they go to underwrite the loan, you know that you've gotten through whatever hurdles they want you to jump through, having some experience, doing minimum amounts of rehab. So therefore, you can expect a loan on an appraisal, not on your all-in cost. So if I can match my all-in cost at 70, 75, or even 80% of my ARV, in theory, I can be into this property in the end for zero. Mm -hmm. if, I'm not a, if I'm not getting the entrepreneurial credit, they don't care about the appraisal as much. They still do it because they need to know what it's worth, but typically they're going to give you the less mm -hmm. of 75% of the appraisal or 75% of your all-in. Mm -hmm. And if you're a decent investor, that should be less than that. If it's not, you need to go back and figure <laughs> out what you did wrong with your MAO formula. You either had a wrong ARV or you went over on your repairs or both. Yeah. So this all kind of ties together. Yeah, no. It, Absolutely. 
So this is just one scenario, guys. Let's do a quick recap. Burr, strategy to acquire a lot of properties very rapidly with little to no money. Now, when I say little to no money, I'm not saying that you need little to no money to do this. In the end, once you get through the entire strategy, you should have little to no money invested in the deal, assuming you follow the steps properly and you do everything like you're supposed to do, okay? Burr, all it is is an acronym for buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat, okay? In order for this strategy to work, there are two things that you need to be aware of. One, you need to buy it at a discount because A, you shouldn't ever buy anything not at a discount if you're a good investor, okay? But it also makes it much easier to add value, and that's the second part of this, during your renovation above and beyond what you spend. If you bought it at retail and you spent 15, you may increase the value 15, which is great, but you didn't really gain anything. But if you bought it at 50 or 60 cents in the dollar, and then you spend 15, hey, now you've increased the property one and a half or even two times what you spent. So buying at a discount and renovating to add value are very, very key in this process. The other two things that you need to know, and this is directly related to the refinance, is that you really wanna have that locked in before you even attempt. And the important part about the refinance is that you'll typically need to, set, to satisfy, is the best word, to satisfy the bankers in order to get that entrepreneurial credit. And that can look very different. So they may have four or five things they want from you. They may only have one, but what they want from me, and Michael, I would think yours is probably pretty similar. What they want from me is they wanna see minimum rehabs. And again, they do this because in order for them to lend you on an appraisal, they're taking on more risk. So the way that you can alleviate them taking on more risk is provide a better product. Because look in, put yourself in the, in the point of a view of a banker, all right? A banker is gonna lend you money hoping you pay him back. But they also have to know that not all loans get paid back. So the ones that don't get paid back, they need to limit their risk. So in this scenario, if I wasn't able to make these payments for whatever reason, and the bank took this property back, and they have a loan at 85, but they know it's worth 120, there's very little risk that this bank won't be able to sell this property for at least 85,000, right? Yeah. So that's where, I mean, all of these things are tied together. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've done a, I think I've done a pretty good job of explaining it, mm -hmm. but it's actually very, very, very simple, okay? Start with the refinance in mind, buy at a discount, renovate to a minimum standard that your banker tells you to do, get a property manager or rent it out yourself. If they do require seasoning, the cool thing about seasoning is as you mature as an investor and you do more and more deals and you get more and more rentals, the seasoning will, will essentially evaporate. Yeah. So when we first started doing this strategy, okay, I've been investing 14 years buying rentals. The first 10 years, I think I talked about this in the first episode. First 10 years, I bought them retail. I didn't know yeah. what wholesaling was. I didn't know discounts, yeah. okay? So the last five years, I've been slowly buying rentals, but the last, I'd say 12 months or so, I've been aggressively buying. When we first started 12 months ago, 
some of we have like five or six local banks that we work with. We don't just go to one, we go to all of them because we want them to compete with each other mm-hmm. so we can get better prices. But in the beginning, they all wanted to see four to six months seasoning, which is fine, but it, slow, it slowed down this process for us. Now that over the last 12 months, we have acquired 35 plus properties in one year, mm-hmm. some of our lenders only require 30 days seasoning. Others don't require any because they know that we know what we're doing. We have the experience that they require and we provide enough information to prove that our rehabs are a minimum of what their minimum standards are. So don't fret whenever you see seasoning, just make it known in the beginning because you've already talked to your lender with your refinance here. You've already established that they will do this for you, but they need six months. So that just means one thing, when you go to your private lender or your hard money lender for your purchase and your renovation, don't sign up for a loan that's going to expire in three months. Yeah. Make sure you have a six or eight or nine month loan in the beginning because you need to prepare. So a lot of this is really just writing down your scenario and making sure that all your ducks are in a row. I don't want you guys to overthink it. It's actually very, very, very simple. Um, but again, you kind of want to work backwards just like you would with your MAO formula by starting with the end refinance slash banker in mind. Yeah. Okay. And then you can kind of start and go through it in sequence. But if you don't have this step, right, and that's a mistake a lot of people make. Yeah. They don't have this step and they buy, they renovate, they rent, and then they go try to refinance like you were saying, Michael. And let's say that they only get approved for you know, 80K and they yep. owe their lender 85. Well, yep. in that scenario, they have to bring five to the table. Yep. To me, that's still a damn good deal. But if you don't have the five to bring to the table, that's where you can get yourself into trouble. Yep. So be cautious. Know you're out before you get in. And that's why I suggest the refinance. Totally agree. And make sure that your lender is going to be lenient enough to where if you get to the six month mark and you're still short, that they'll, be, that they'll be willing to work with you on the difference. That's why I like private lenders versus hard money lenders, which are a little bit harder to come by because you essentially are meeting a friend or a family member or just another person that's lending you money from him to you mm-hmm. versus a hard money lender who is lending on the asset itself, but their yep. terms are way more concrete. My private lenders, I can negotiate with them, yep. right? The hard money lenders sometimes are big corporations that have lots of employees and they just don't have negotiation built into their business model. It's fixed. Yeah. Right. But either way works. This has been uh, exactly what I think the audience wanted. This is David Dodge, everything Burr. Uh, Woohoo! Woohoo! You crushed it, man. Uh, This, this, this is going to, this is going to be watched by uh, lots of folks, but more importantly, it's going to help a lot of folks. I think we highlighted the risks you You've highlighted something that I've seen in no other Burr video, which was start with the refinance. So I applaud you for that. And man, just keep doing what you're doing, man. You're crushing it. Um, Thank you so much for giving us this time. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. I am grateful for your time. I appreciate you having me on. I hope I provided a ton of value to all your viewers. and anything that, you know, I can do to help out in the future as well, you let me know. I'm happy to come back on if you need me. All right, David. Thank you very much, brother. Take care of yourself. All right, guys. Have a great day. Thanks.